is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 72 for Monday, March the 12th. 2012. Wow. Wow. What's so exciting? What? What's so exciting? 72 is exciting. That is kind of exciting. We're going to hit 100 before you know it. Well, I might know it. (laughs) It might be. Well, now that you said it, it's going to be after I know it. Yeah, probably. So um, before we get started today, happy Girl Scout birthday to you, Jason. It's my my Girl Scout birthday or (laughs) is it the birthday of the Girl Scouts? It is the uh, let's see. Today marks the founding of the first Girl Scout troop in the United States. Oh, well, that's nice. Isn't that exciting? So happy Girl Scout birthday day, day to you. Well, thank you very much, Chris. All righty. So we have an awesome show. We are going to recap Better Angels. We've got listener feedback. And of course, uh, holy crap, did you see that? But before that, there's a couple of things I want to address. Uh-oh. And uh, there, there's nothing, nothing major, just a couple of housekeeping type things. Okay. The first of which is that some people have noticed our website being really slow and annoying, and it takes a long time for podcasts to download. Oh, really? And it seems to have to do with our host throttling us because of all the demand, oh. which is kind of a huge bummer. So um, I'm looking into solutions for it. We're figuring out what to do, figuring out, uh, you know, absolutely when it's worst and what causes it, although that's the easy part. <laughs> and uh, and we'll, we'll sort something out, hopefully in time for next week's podcast after the season finale. Okay. But we will see. If we can't figure that out, then uh, it'll be in time for season three. Hooray! <laughs> when there's lots of time to figure it out. That's so right. uh, if you are experiencing that, uh, I really apologize and just stick with it. You will get your episode, uh, you know, shortly after. Well, hopefully not too long. Hopefully it doesn't take too long. You can always go to iTunes and subscribe <clears throat> to the uh, the podcast there and then download it. Yeah, it's kind of the same problem, though. It, uh, it still comes off of our server, right? It comes down really slow. And it comes down really slow, yeah. Mm. So there's there's issues, and I'm working on them, and uh, hopefully it doesn't drive anyone too, too crazy. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, also, Joel from Minnesota wrote an email in to us and wanted to know what our theme song was. Oh. So I thought I would let Joel know that it is a song called Motor, no, Money City Maniacs mm-hmm. by Sloan. Sloan, yep. S-L-O-A-N? Yes. Is it? It is. <laughs> okay. I believe so. <laughs> They're a Canadian band from Halifax, and they've been around a long time. And Money City Maniacs is off one of their records, which I can't remember right now. And as you can see, I could barely remember the name of the band or the name of the song. So. Sloanmusic.com. Go there and check it out because they're a great band, actually. Yeah, they're awesome. They've been around for a long time, and they have a lot of cool stuff. Early stuff is really Beatles-type influenced. If you're into that, that you might dig it. And uh, if not, they've got some good old rock tunes just like the one we use for our opening. Yeah. So there you go. Having all that said, it's time to do this. Better Angels. That's right. We are going to review and recap Better Angels this week. Excellent. So our cold open this time Mm -hmm. is Dale's funeral. Yep. And Rick is making a nice speech about honoring Dale. Now, intercut with that are scenes of Shane, Andrea, Daryl, and T-Dog driving out from the farm, uh, checking a perimeter fence of some kind. Yep. 
and then killing zombies. It was a great scene. It really was. I wasn't sure exactly what was going on at first, though, is the only thing. Really? Well, I mean, I, I knew literally what was going on on screen. They were killing zombies and clearing stuff out. So figuratively, you were confused? Well, I was like, why are they showing us this? Is this important to, are they, like, is this important to what's happening right now? Is this happening in the future? Is this, you know, I wasn't sure of the context of it all. Well, I mean, uh, I I think it was important to show their frustration and their, you know, the deep emotions as at, at losing Dale. Uh, so they go out and they, uh, you know, they want to make sure that they're safe because all of a sudden in the midst of their, you know, their little haven, Dale gets uh, gets cut down and uh, without any warning whatsoever. And so they want to check the perimeter and they go out and they check the perimeter. They find a little uh, group of zombies and they uh, they get very uh, killy and they kill them and they get very angry and start kicking. Yeah, I just I, I just wasn't sure about whether, you know, is this just a random scene they're showing us or is it something from the episode we're going to get to later, like a week or two ago when we saw when we saw what was happening in the future of that episode? Right. I just wasn't sure about that, but it was a cool scene. There was some some awesome zombie kills there. Um, Andrea put her pitchfork up through the chin and out the top of the head of a zombie. Yeah, now she's uh, now she's the hair. She used to she was the reaper a couple of weeks ago, but now she's the uh, the haymaker because they actually uh, yeah. So the yeah, I just thought it was interesting that now she has this new weapon that she, that she loves, and it's a it's a pitchfork. Yeah, she went from rifle to scythe to pitchfork. Mm-hmm. The effect there, I didn't think looked that great. No, it wasn't very. It was about on the same level as the scythe through the skull. <laughs> oh, I thought it was worse. Really? Yeah, I, oh, thought, I thought it was, it was worse. About the same. Like it wasn't as dangerous for the people around. Uh, but no, it wasn't. But the just I don't know. It was a quick cut, but it I didn't think it looked as good. Yeah. So, anyways, we we got some good stuff there. But we go to credits, and when we come back, the group is standing around talking about moving everyone into the farm for safety. So we got two things before the credits. One okay. is we got Shane uh, is now the shoveler. Right? He, he's the shoveler. He's the shoveler because that was there was a great shot of him taking the top part of a skull off a zombie. Isn't that doesn't that remind you of um, that movie? Well, yeah, that's where I got it from. It was. Uh, is, is he called the Shoveler? He's, in that? he's his name is the Shoveler. I yeah. don't even remember the movie title. Boy, yeah. we're off to a great start. <laughs> yeah. So, and the second thing is, uh, we talked last week about the the music bleeding in, not bleeding into the uh, the actual cold open. Right. And this time it did. It did. So they're back to that. So they're back to that. Yeah. So the two times does not make a trend, uh, and that is proven correct. That's right. It just makes a coincidence. It, I guess so. Just a coincidence, a couple episodes in a row, and now they're back to the normal normality of it all. That's right. Um, so the we come back, and the group is talking, standing around talking about moving into the farm, right. as I said, for safety, which makes sense. Finally. Should have done this a long time ago, and Herschel even says that, yeah. I think, in the scene. Um, Andrea asks about patrols, and it's, so that's what they were doing in the cold open. Right, okay. They were out they patrolling. Were doing a patrol. So I don't think it really has anything to do with anything other than it was just an interesting way to intercut that that speech that Rick was giving, the monologue at the beginning. Right. So they're out patrolling. Rick mentions, again, taking Randall out with Daryl this time, and Shane questions him on it. Mm-hmm. Like, you're still you're still worried about that, really? We're back on that. Eh? Yeah. I thought we were going to kill him. I was all happy. Yeah, exactly. Rick asks Andrea to keep an eye on things while he's out. And she doesn't want to babysit Shane, she says, but agrees to do it anyway. Well, she was going to do it all along. She just wanted to bitch about it a little bit before uh, before she agreed. Yeah, yeah. I don't really blame her in, you know, for that, but uh, still. 
She kind of made a big deal out of nothing. Well, she did, but and she's full of barbs, eh? She's, uh, you know, Rick says every time I leave, I, I don't want all hell to break loose. <laughs> well, stop leaving then. Quit like, leaving. Everything will be fine. Oh, ouch, lady. <laughs> so we cut to a scene now with Carl coming to see Shane, and he tells him about the zombie in the swamp from yep. last episode. I didn't think it was going to come out that quick. You didn't think so, eh? I didn't think so. I, I thought maybe they'd drag it out a bit, and Carl would be all tormented and, you know go into a real dark place because he thinks he's responsible for Dale's death, but they really got right to it. Uh, he's a very well-grounded little kid. <laughs> if totally weird and creepy. Well, yeah, I mean, given the situation, somebody to, to, you know, to go seek some kind of solace with anybody under those kind of circumstances means that, you know, that it just proves that how, how mature Carl is. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so I thought that was uh, that was really good. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have done that. I would have brooded over it for at least a couple of days before I said anything <laughs> to anybody, and I probably would have had to been drunk. There you go. <laughs> Which never happens for you. Never happens. Um, but Carl goes to talk to Shane, and he tells him about it, and he wants to give him back the gun, but Shane tells him to keep it. Right. Except Carl doesn't want to keep it, and he says he's never touching a gun again. Well, not likely. <laughs> Sorry, not, Carl. Not likely. Yep. Next, we go to Daryl, who's boarding up the barn, and Randall is just struggling inside. Yep. And what they showed us is that his wrists had become very bloody from yeah, all the struggling. Gross. It was kind of gross. We got a few shots of that in the episode. So he's been sitting there for a long time, blindfolded and struggling against handcuffs. That's got to not be very fun. Well, I wouldn't think so, and have a mock execution. Yeah, that's right. And a mock execution. <clears throat> well, it's not really a mock execution, but, you know, mock executions are actual, actually considered torture. But, uh, you know, a failed execution. Yeah, uh, it was an actual execution that didn't quite finish. It was a, uh, it's not a, you know, a botched execution because that would have been a shot and his ear got shot off. But uh, what do you call that? Uh, <laughs> pretend? No, it no. wasn't even pretend. It was like you got right to the brink and then they said, nah, we changed our mind. So it was... Uh, Hesitated execution? I don't know. It was. There's got to be a term for this somewhere. Execution in the name of torturing the poor guy. Yeah, poor bastard. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that was pretty bad. But we get a few shots of his bloody wrists in this this episode. That was the first one. Inside the farm, people are moving in, and Maggie asks Glenn to move into her room with her, but he declines. Yep. I don't know what's wrong with that. Yeah, that kid's uh, got some problems. He has got some problems. Maybe he's afraid of the farmer's father. You know, you you date a farmer's daughter, you watch out for the the the, father. For the farmer, yeah. Yeah, For the farmer, the farmer's father, yeah. But I think... (laughs) She's a farmer too, so... It's true. I think what we've got, I think though he got the okay from him, like last episode. Well, yeah. Here's a watch. Go time yourself, but don't tell me about it. (laughs) Go time yourself. (laughs) Do whatever. You'll always know what time it is. So anyways, he declines and says he's going to go set up in that corner over there, the dining room, I think. Dumbass. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Pretty bad. Um, so the next few scenes, we get them moving into the farm and uh, people helping Lori take stuff out of a truck and so on. Herschel comes up, and I thought it was interesting because in the course of their conversation, he referred to the farm as our home. Yep. He's accepted everybody. Everyone's there for the long haul now. That's good. Yeah, yeah one big good. happy family. One big family, anyways. <laughs> <clears throat> for a little while. Lori goes to talk to Shane, who is on the windmill building a platform for Lookout. Mm-hmm. Which is a great idea. Oh, yeah, fantastic. I don't know why they didn't do that before. Instead, they were standing on like an eight-foot RV. Probably couldn't see anything. Well, They yeah. got a whole windmill right there where they could climb up and look around. Yeah. Maybe it's harder to get up and down. I don't know. Well, it would be. I mean, it's first of all, those things are hard to climb. They're not like, there's not like a ladder there. He had to, Shane had to sort of climb it. No, right? they have they have a service ladder, I'm sure. 
Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you know. I don't think they build them with a ladder like they do. Uh, you know, high, you know, big towers for radio communications and stuff like that. This is just a windmill, right? So maybe they have a because if they have a problem with it, maybe they'll get the big ladder out of the barn, or maybe they'll call, uh, you know, the guy down the street with the uh, with the cherry picker, the windmill repairman. He the has a cherry picker. Yeah, yeah, of course, that makes sense. Or somebody, maybe somebody around the corner has a scissor lift. <laughs> Everybody needs a. That'd be a great lookout. Go get yourself a scissor lift. Straight up and down? Straight up and down. You know what the problem with those are? They sway a lot up there. Yeah. I've, I've been on one before, <clears throat> like 30 feet up, and it's rocking back and forth. Uh, it scared the crap out of me. Eh. What's the worst <laughs> that could happen? It falls over, or you fall out. Right. That's why you have a strap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when it falls over, you, it just lands on you. <laughs> That's right. That way you don't fall far from it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you'll, it falls over. You'll die close by anyways. Correct. Uh, so what happens? Lori goes to talk to Shane. She tells him she doesn't know whose baby it is, and she regrets putting Shane and Rick at odds. Mm -hmm. She talks about escaping Atlanta with Shane and how she never thanked him for that. Now, I have just the very last bit of their conversation, because I could have played the whole thing, but here's the last uh, little bit. Whatever happened between us, whatever the hell we thought it was, and not just you, but... I'm sorry, Shane. Please believe me, I am so sorry. So I wanted to play that because I think the most interesting thing there is she's saying, <clears throat> whatever we thought we had, and not just you, but like she's admitting to being totally into it when yep. they were when they were doing it, I think. I agree. And this is the conversation that starts to push Shane right over the edge. You think so? Well, it's, I mean, he's he's clearly close anyways because of everything that's been going on, you know, but I think he was in some ways coming to terms with the fact that it's Rick's wife, that they're going to have the baby and it'll be Rick's baby. And, you know, he was, he was getting used to that idea a little bit. And then she comes along and admits to being kind of into him and, you know, thanking him for rescuing her and sort of saying, you know, if it wasn't for you, we'd all be dead. And he, she just rekindles that feeling in him. I think, I think I'm, I'm I think I'm on board with what Dave said a couple of episodes ago, uh, when he, they were driving back and he saw that lone walker in the field. And Dave said that that's when Shane decided to kill Rick. <clears throat> that's a good theory. I might've, I don't know. It might've, uh, it might've given them him the idea, but I think that lone walker was more about sh how Shane was feeling personally. I don't know. Then giving him ideas. I don't know. I, I think Shane was getting used to it. He was getting used to things. He was going to try to settle down a bit, but this just re-upped re him, you know? Got well, him back. Now, either way, now he's sure. <clears throat> You're absolutely right. Now he knows he's going to do something, or at least I don't think he knows what he's going to do yet, but he knows he's going to do something. Right. We'll get to... I, th I have a theory on when exactly he figures out his plan, Okay. We'll, which we'll get to. Um, so we come back from commercial and Rick and Daryl are planning the Randall trip on the porch of the barn. Right. The trip to take Randall out. That's still on, apparently. <laughs> Shane drives up and tells Rick, do you notice Shane drives everywhere in this episode? Well, yeah, because he's, uh, <laughs> he's got to get the last bit usage out of his, uh, out of his Hyundai. I guess so. He, he drove the lumber out to the windmill and then he's driving it back. Well, what would you, what would you do? Like the windmill's not close. Right? I know, but I mean, you're, if you're worried about saving gas, I mean, use a wheelbarrow or something. It, he's got a hatchback. He's got some boards. This is what you do. You take your Hyundai out to the windmill, and then what are you going to do? Leave it there? 
No, you're going to drive it back to the farm to I, park it, you know, facing away from the doors. I understand that, but I, I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard to get a dolly or a wheelbarrow or something, three or four people, and move that lumber out there. What, it was like 10 boards? I don't think gas is a problem, though. With the, the, the amount of farms and roads around there with abandoned vehicles and, uh, you know, not to mention abandoned gas stations. Well, that's like saying that food's not a problem. I mean, when it... It, it's not going to last forever, and the smart people start conserving right at the beginning. Well, maybe they have a fuel depot around back. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe they went and got that uh, that water truck that Shane uh, soaked his head in on the pilot episode of this season. Right. And then drove that back, and as the uh, the water canisters are being emptied, they're filling them up with gasoline. There's oil under that their farm, and they're <clears throat> drilling it, I suppose. That's right. <laughs> but uh, Shane drives up and tells Rick about Carl's situation. So mm-hmm. it's gotten back to his dad now. Shane accuses Rick of being a bad father because Randall is more important to him than Carl. How about I ride out with Daryl? Good for us to spend a little time together. Nah, I need you here. Don't think I'll handle it right, huh? Didn't say that. What'd you say? Yeah, your son. Game of this. Just get that back to Daryl, huh? Freeing that prisoner. <laughs> More important to you than Carl. Ouch. Ouch. That uh, that hurts. I I think this really did hurt Rick a lot. Well, yeah, anything you say about <clears throat> somebody's kids, about them not, you know, paying enough attention to them. Yeah. It's uh, true or not, it's gonna hurt. Yeah, and it's in is it true? Do you think it's true? I no, think it I, kind of is. I don't think it is. I don't know. Rick, uh you there's all the only scene we've had, well, one of the few between Rick and Carl is that scene where he's scolding him for being a jerk to Carol. It seems like no one is ever watching Carl, and Rick and Laurie especially. Right. Well, they, they trust Carl that he can uh, handle things on his own, I guess. That said, Carl did go to Shane, not his dad. That's true. So, you know, that's interesting, too. There, there might be some hard feelings on both sides there. Yep. You know what I mean? But we go to a scene of Andrea and Glenn trying to start the RV, and uh, this this was a nice scene. I like this scene a lot. Glenn fixes it, and they seem to bond over Dale's memory. Well, they were the two people closest to Dale. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, you know, Glenn gets upset because he feels that he let Dale down by not agreeing with him. But I think they both kind of realize in this scene that Dale sort of taught them a lot. And, you know, he was important to the group, even though they didn't realize that before he died. Yep. <laughs> Taught him how to fix the RV anyway. Yeah, exactly. He needs. She has the screwdriver, which was a callback to her screwdriver kill. And That's right. He needs the flathead, which I think was mentioned before. So I, I like this scene. It's it was, a, it was a momentary break from the sort of depressing nature of everything else. And it kind of felt good, I thought. Now, Rick walks off to find Carl, who's in the hayloft. He and he gives him his gun back and tells him there's no more kid stuff. Right. No more kid stuff. He tells Carl that everybody is going to die, including himself and his mom. <laughs> the opening shot of this scene was uh, was really cool. Yeah. Just from with behind. the silhouettes of them looking at the the loft door there. I thought it was uh, was really, really nice. It was composed really nicely. I enjoyed it too. Um but there's I feel like there's been more of that kind of cinematography type care taken in the last couple of episodes have you noticed that in this episode particularly like especially later on in the episode and we'll get to that but uh i felt the cinematography in this episode was really really well done i agree i just think in the last one that uh nicotero directed as well i think he did a really nice job so i don't know if they've changed 
you know, director of photography or something like that. But who whoever's doing it is doing a fine job, I think. I think so, too. But uh, Rick, Rick tells his son that basically it's no more kid stuff and that he, it's time for him to grow up a little bit. We go to a commercial and we come back to Randall blindfolded and struggling in the barn again. Yep. Shane comes in and sits down and stares at him for a while. Yep. And uh, he points a gun at Randall and then looks at his bloody wrists before leaving. Yep. He's trying to figure out what to do with this guy. <clears throat> he, he is. And he, Shane's obviously all twitchy and his mouth is hanging open and he just doesn't look very good, you know, not to mention the wounds on his face from his fight with Rick. But uh, to me, this is the moment that he just snaps and he thinks, I know what I'm going to do. Like, I think so. I think so. I think there was even sort of a visual cue to that in the editing. Well, I'm not entirely sure. Like, I don't. I agree that this is a, a pivotal scene, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's the, the scene where he decided to kill Rick. I think it's the, the scene where he decided how and what the plan was. I think he was always planning to, to try and kill Rick and take over his position as leader and as husband to Lori. Uh, and father to Carl, but mm-hmm. uh, I think this is how it's like, he's trying to, th- should I just shoot this guy and then have it out with Rick or, uh, and then he comes up with the plan. Well, see, I'm, I'm on the other side. I, th- I think he, I think he comes up with the plan and realizes this is the perfect way to do it. He's, he's like, you know, I think he had all these thoughts probably swimming around in his brain. He's like, should I kill him? Should I not? If I kill him, how am I going to do it? I can't just walk up to him and shoot him. I got to make everyone believe something else and I yeah. think Randall was the key to all of this so when he was sitting there there was this sort of like hard jump cut of uh, Shane's head right <laughs> and I think that was kind of to indicate this is the moment where he's lost his mind and he's like I'm gonna kill my best friend or my former partner and I know how to do it now I don't know about lost <clears throat> his mind either because it seemed like a pretty intricate plan for someone who has lost his mind someone who has lost his mind walks up to you and puts a shovel through your face uh, all right right without any regard to right or wrong you know coming up with a cunning plan in order to kill someone and make it look like it was someone else and take care of the thing you wanted to take care of in the first place is uh, is pretty intricate for someone who has lost his mind Okay, that's true. Lost, lost his mind isn't the right phrase, but I don't know. I still think this this is the moment that he goes over the edge and yeah. decides what he's going to do ultimately. Right. I think this is where maybe he has uh, regained his uh, his mentality. Like oh. before, he's uh, you know he's been everything's been a, a big blur of anger and uh, frustration, and this is the first time that he actually has uh, a concrete plan and he knows what he's going to do. And I think at this point, he becomes calm and collected, and he goes, now it's time for execution, not for trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> I don't know if Sorry. calm and collected is the right term, but it's he. you're right. He, this is where he gets his focus. Right. Right? This is where he decides, this is where he's going to stop thinking about things and start doing things. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, but an interesting scene nonetheless. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, okay, so everyone else, they're ready, or uh, Daryl and Rick are ready to take Randall out. They send T-Dog over to get Randall for the trip. He goes over to the barn, opens the lock, opens the door, unlocks the lock, opens the door, and finds Randall gone. Did you hear what he said here? I sure did, <laughs> but I already knew what he said there because this was in the, the teaser for last week. Right. But his line, do you want to give the line? Well, the line was, uh, the governor called, you got your reprieve or whatever. He says, governor called, you're off the hook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a good line because, yeah. you know, it's it's very real life. You know, the the governor is the one who grants you a pardon, I guess. Yep. 
And of course, we all know that there's a character called the governor coming up in season three. And of course, in the comic book as well. Right. Great, great line. Now, does this more or less mean that the governor will be introduced as part of Randall's clan of people? Well, that's a good question. And that occurred to me at this uh, at this point was, uh, you know, is this? No, I don't think it is the, the governor because this is a roving group, right? Right. But they've been, I think they've been in the area for a little while. I, but I don't, you know, even if half of what uh, Randall said is true about the roving group, about the size of the group, about the, the composition of the group, that's not really governor material. Governor material is somebody who's in charge of a large, stable, and I put that in air quotes, community where, uh, you know, he has a town like Woodbury. Yeah, he he does. I, I just think, I think they're probably mixing it up a little bit for the TV show. They're not going to go that specific route. Right. I, I'd be willing to bet that the governor will be a member of Randall's people. And it's not Randall, obviously, because now Randall is Well, maybe dead. Randall was still still the leader. Well, <laughs> yeah. he's not the governor. Maybe he was the, uh, what's above a governor, the president? Maybe he was the leader. And, you know, now that he's he's dead. Who is this, the leader? <laughs> the leader. <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe now that he's dead, someone else is going to step up in that group. Right. Because he was kind of second in command sort of sort of thing. Um, and that'll be the governor, David Morrissey. I don't know. I don't think it's the, I don't think the governor is going to be a part of this group. I think this group is going to be uh, an issue. And I think that the uh, our band of heroes are going to run from this group and think that they got away and then run into the governor. And run into the governor. I don't know. I'm going to call part of the group. You're going to call not part of the group. Yeah. All right. We'll see how it shakes out. Um, I, I I just don't. I wonder if they're going to introduce the governor in the finale next week. No. We don't he think was we'll just see cast. Him. Oh, yeah. You're right. Of course. He can't be in that. Right. All right. I'll uh, try to get back on track here. So we go to Shane taking Randall through the woods. He he's they stop and he asks randall to take him to his people because he's done with this group right shane asks him that and <clears throat> this is weird they start walking and randall seems to have calmed down a bit and then he walks behind a tree and <laughs> shane snaps his neck we hear a crunching noise yeah he kills him off camera yes interesting choice do you think i wasn't entirely sure that he was dead i thought he might have been unconscious yep i thought he might have been uh you know just a basically a trap for something or somewhere or you know uh made him unconscious so that he'd wake up in a little while and they would have a manhunt for him and uh and you know once he got once we get to it he got cold cocked uh, shane got cold cocked that uh, would be a, a good story for them to realize that randall was a threat was a danger and they would kill him yep that's, that, that's what i thought the plan was that that's at this point. that's a pretty good plan but I think that cracking noise was meant to indicate that he snapped his neck. Well, yeah, you know, I kind of, uh, I took a step back from general uh, TV and movie noises mm-hmm. to hope that he was still alive because that noise, when shown on camera, <clears throat> means instant death by somebody who uh, knows Kung Fu and how to turn somebody's neck really quickly. Is that even possible in real life uh probably but i think you have to do a lot more than what they show on tv yeah 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 yeah. i think it's it's sort of like a chicken kind of thing where you take it and you grab the chicken's neck and you twist it around so the chicken's body spins and spins and spins and eventually you just pop the neck right up pop the head right off oh that's well, i don't think it's you know that dramatic but i think it's a lot more dramatic and a lot more uh, is involved than just kind of 
putting a hand on each side of a person's face and uh, giving them a massage. <laughs> the massage of death. That's right. <laughs> uh, so before we leave Shane, he runs face first into a tree to break his nose. Yeah. <laughs> it was... Uh, Why not, really? It was It was a good scene, but I, I couldn't help but chuckle a little bit when I saw him do that. Yeah. He runs into the tree and then just kind of slumps over. Oh. Ouch, that hurt. Yeah, exactly. What did you expect? So everybody else is looking for Randall at this point. Shane comes out of the bush with uh, yelling for Rick with his story about Randall punching him and taking his gun. After hiding the gun under some some leaves. Is that what he did there? I wasn't sure. Yeah, he uh, tucked the, the gun under some leaves and kind of buried them like squirrels bury nuts. And he is he going to get it later? Is that the idea? Well, I would assume so. He didn't just toss it into the woods. Like, he hid it. And I'm thinking, you know, trying to remember where that spot is. You're going to be hunting for that gun for a week. Yeah, that's true. And you know what? It, it, if everything had gone as planned and then he went back and retrieved that gun later we'd have another gun problem where he'd show up with a gun that you'd think he should have lost right like the otis problem hey where'd you get that shane just finds guns maybe he's like a gun magnet or something <laughs> he must he has a gun re, uh, divining divining rod, rod yeah. yeah retaining rod no that's not right <laughs> uh, retainer <laughs> yeah he's got a, a gun retainer yep so he comes out of the bush, and Rick, Shane, Daryl, and Glenn go in back into the forest to look for Randall, and they separate into Rick and Shane and Daryl and Glenn. Right. So we go to commercial, and when we come back, we have Carl looking out from the upper floor of the the uh, farm into the night with binoculars, mm-hmm. looking all weird and creepy like usual. Creepy Carl. Yep. We see the guys searching the forest. Now, I'm going to try and split it into the two parties here instead of going back and forth like we did in the episode. Right. So we have Daryl and Glenn, and they're just looking around, and they start to realize something by some of the evidence they find. That's because Daryl's awesome. Daryl is awesome. And you know what? Glenn in this scene was awesome too. Yeah. Especially in a second. But they start to realize that Shane lied. They find two tracks, and they notice they're walking in tandem, not, you know, sort of front to back like you would with a prisoner right they're look they're holding hands yeah that's right they're <laughs> holding hands something's not right here <laughs> <laughs> they see signs of a scuffle and then they find the blood on the tree where he ran face first into it yeah then they find the blindfold yep and they uh they get attacked by randall zombie randall right <laughs> randall zombie and after they after glenn manages to chop him in the head and kill him um, they sort of search and find, and they don't find any bites on him and realize, what's going on here? He wasn't bitten. He was His neck was broken. Why is he a zombie? Yep. And Glenn asks that very question of, well, sort of to the forest, but it was really to the audience. It was, uh, <laughs> it was very, very interesting. Yeah, it was very, very interesting. So confused a lot of people, too. I've heard reports all day today about people going, what the hell is going on there? I know. The thing is... Your average viewer doesn't think about this 24 hours a day like we do. Well, right. And <laughs> your average viewer hasn't read all the comic books either. It's true. And hasn't, uh, you know, read Rise of the Governor. Yeah, that's true too. So, you know, having all that kind of background, you're going like, oh yeah, well, of course. But we'll talk about that more in a second. We, um, Rick and Shane are walking around and as they're going, Rick starts to realize that Shane's intentions aren't exactly good. He questions him about questions him about losing his gun, and Shane has a BS answer about it being his favorite piece, and he's gonna wish Randall Randall's gonna wish he was dead if if they find him. Sort of. Do you thing. remember that from the from Firefly? Uh, uh, no, Adam Baldwin. 
Yeah. Adam Baldwin? Jane. Or? Jane. Uh, he's, he was trying to trade his uh, his very favorite gun, Charlene, for, uh, <laughs> was it uh, the, the uh, uh, what's his name's wife? Uh, yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I know the one you're talking about. It. Yeah, it was, <laughs> Charlene. Charlene. Yeah, his very favorite gun. Well, this is Shane's favorite gun, or piece, as he says, but Shane insists they keep going. Now, we got an email from Craig in Georgia that I'm going to read right now because he had an interesting take on this scene. Okay. He writes, When Rick and Shane were walking through the woods and stopped for a brief conversation, listen to the way it is worded. Instead of Rick saying, You sure he went this way? He states, Are you sure this way is right? I think Rick knew what was going down and was asking Shane, in other words, Are you sure you want to go through with this? Right. Um, then listen to Shane's answer. Let's go. Like talking to a dead man walking. I thought this was an interesting way of using words in a tense moment. Mm-hmm. So that's it's a really great point. Are you sure this way is right? Is it's a it's a strange way to sentence to phrase that question. To sentence it. To sentence that <laughs> and question. That, well, that one as well. <laughs> yeah. How do you like the interesting word usement site structure? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but we so thank you, Craig from Georgia. We go to commercial and we come back. Rick and Shane come to a clearing in the woods. Rick knows what Shane is thinking at this point and asks him, so this is where you plan to do it. Rick accuses Shane of being a murderer. Shane intends to tell everybody that Randall got uh, shot Rick and Shane then killed Randall in defense. And Shane then raises his gun at Rick. Mm -hmm. It was pretty intense. So Rick won't raise his gun back, but Shane's asking him to, which is kind of funny. It is. (laughs) But he knows, you know, he knows he doesn't want to... He's obviously, is he having second thoughts or is he just wanting to make sure he's doing the right thing? I'm not or sure. trying to justify what he's doing because Rick threatened him back. Or he's trying to, uh, I'm not sure exactly what, uh, what it was a, It was confusing to say the least. I didn't know exactly what was going on. It's like, well, if you want to raise, uh, if Shane wants Rick to raise the gun in order to, you know, it's basically a suicide by cop kind of deal where, uh, you know, he wants to justify it. Who does he want to justify it? Does he need to justify it to himself? I don't think that he necessarily needs that. Does he want to justify it to the group? Because he wants, uh, you know, to everybody to think that Rick was, you know, shooting back for some reason. Yeah, threatening him equally. But then I'm thinking everybody knows, you know, there's no forensic team in the world is going to come and analyze this crime scene to know that Rick is, was actually holding the gun up at the time he was shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, throw the gun on the ground, fine, blow, blow a big hole in his head, and then put the gun next to his body. I think it was Shane trying to justify it to himself. You're probably right, because that's the only explanation I can think of, because everything else doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> not, not really. And No, Shane just didn't, even though he, he's decided to do this, he doesn't consider himself a cold-blooded murderer, I suppose. And at well, least, he is. <laughs> at least if the uh, if the person he's trying to shoot is, you know, if there's a re- he's he's give, trying to give himself a reason to kill him, like right. in, in the moment. He's he's got his bigger reasons about Lori and Carl and all that, but right. in the moment he needs that motivation to do it. I think. Right. But Rick won't raise his gun. He unholsters it very slowly, and he's holding it backwards. Yep. Is there a term for that? I was wondering while watching it for holding a gun that way when you're handing it to somebody else, like handle first or I something. I don't know what it is. If anyone knows if there's a firearms term for that way of holding a gun, let us know. But that's what he's doing. And he's very slowly approaching Shane <laughs> to hand him the gun yep. and saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to use this. 
and as he's rocking up to him, he's telling Shane that they can still make this right, that they'll return to the farm together like nothing happened. It's okay. We can recover from this, he's saying. Yep. But when he gets close enough, Shane looks down for a split second to take Rick's gun, and Speedy Rick moves fast and stabs him in the chest. Yep. He gets the gun, uh, the knife from his belt and stabs him in the sh- in the chest. The Gerber knife. Yeah, the Gerber knife. Good for a lot of different things. You've been stabbing people. Yeah, that's right. Apparently. So they go down onto the ground together and Shane dies. Yep. We have two major character deaths in two episodes. That was uh, quite the thing. That was quite the thing. Rick is kind of sobbing, yelling, why did you make me do this? And we fade to black. So Rick is... Um, uh, Rick is kind of blaming Shane for all this. He's saying, like, this is all your fault. Why well, did it you is make all me his do fault. this? Yeah, I know it is, but like, <laughs> it's, you know, I guess there's no other real way for Rick to feel. He's like, it didn't have to be this way. No, yeah, I, I, I sympathize with his frustration <laughs> and his anger and his disappointment in his partner, Shane, for forcing his hand in order to, you know, so it had to come to this. It's horrible. Forcing his hand, literally. Yeah. So we fade to black and the episode's over. Ah, I'm just kidding. That's not right. <laughs> My memory is different than that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a guy at work today um, didn't see that final scene because he turned it off when it went to black. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's, boy, that's unfortunate. You need to watch again. That's like not watching the end of Old Yeller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or the end of uh, Line the Witch in the Wardrobe. Right. <laughs> so we come back from black with some fast flash cuts of what's happening inside Shane's brain. Yeah, I thought that was very, uh, that was different. It was. So I haven't gone back, I haven't had a chance to go back and look at those in detail, like pause them and look exactly what we see there. But we see a lot of shots of zombies, gruesome zombies, and a lot of gore, all up close, Yep. a lot of sound. And was this, is this a mythology thing, or was this just sort of them giving us an idea of something's happening in the brainstem and it's reawakening. I think, uh, well, I'm going to come back to the mythology thing, but I think that it was something happening in the brainstem, uh, kind of giving us the feel of uh, the need the f- to the hunger that uh, that the zombies have when they come back. And I think it, it very accurately, in my mind, portrayed that kind of need to uh, to feed on human flesh and well and the rage and the rage you know if if you can assume these zombies are raging which you know there's some people would argue there's a big difference in zombie type movies where there's the rage virus where they're not really dead they're just really really mad right all, all the time and then there's the actual zombies that are dead and totally mindless but just eating it kind of seems like we have a little bit of both going we kind of do yeah so but now, what did you mean by mythology well, you know, there are certain things, there are certain rules to any sci-fi universe or zombie universe. Good ones, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like like the thing where you don't have to be bitten, everybody comes back, right. which was a strong theme in this episode. Yep. Um, but were they trying to show us the experience of reawakening as a zombie? And it and I and I think it's part of the mythology of the show, is it not? You know, it's part of it's one of the they're showing us what it's like to be a zombie, at least those first few seconds. Well, I would agree with that. And uh, they are showing us that. And they're showing us that there is a an insatiable hunger and an anger and a need to uh, to bite and to tear and to, to rip and to be nasty zombies. And it's completely uncontrollable. Yes. There's nothing, obviously, you can do about it. 
Um, but I thought it was interesting. I didn't ever think we'd ever, we, a long time ago, we talked about having a zombie cam, didn't we? Or a shamble cam? No, there was a movie that had a, had a shamble cam. Was there? there? They, they, it was a low budget kind of, uh, a mockumentary where they, uh, they were zombies and then they strapped a camera to one of the zombies. I thought we talked about it on this podcast. We had a Randall cam. I know that. That was last week. <laughs> I'm talking about two years ago or something. But anyways, no, doesn't I think matter. there was a movie that there was a thing, and they called it in the movie a shamble cam. Okay. Well, this is, I think, probably the closest we're going to get as a zombie perspective on this show. I think so. This was definitely a zombie perspective. I don't think I want any more than this either, to be honest with you. Well, yeah. Otherwise, we're going to get into the like the Terminator kind of thing where we have, uh, you know, red, kind of just everything's through a red filter, and all they see is, uh, you know, a combination of uh, Terminator and Predator. I don't need that. No, I don't need that at all. And you know, I I wouldn't be entirely surprised if we never get this again. This they just did this because this Shane was such an important character, and yep. we knew him <clears throat> as a living person for so long. You know, when Amy died, we didn't know her that well. No, Dale never became a zombie. Uh, Sophia, it all happened off screen. Yeah. And now Shane, it all happened on screen. We knew him well. And they're like, you know, this is going to be your last hurrah with Shane's brain. Right. Here's uh, Shane's brain. Shane's brain. So that was cool. Carl um, walks up, can't believe what he's seeing, and raises his gun toward his father. Yeah. Interesting. Behind Rick, zombie Shane gets up. And Rick doesn't see him because he's looking at Carl, but Carl takes a shot and shoots Shane in the head. Good shot, Carl. Very good shot. You know, and, you know, if it was me and I was pointing a gun at something and, uh, you know, my father was between me and that something, I would say something like, uh, look out or duck or move out of the way or there's a zombie behind you or... Yeah, hit the deck. Something, you know, I wouldn't just take the shot. I think Carl was pointing the gun at his dad initially. I think so too, because uh, Shane was still on the ground. Shane was still on the ground, and we can't assume that Carl saw him standing up and the audience didn't, but that could have been what happened. But as since we didn't see that, we have to assume that Shane uh, Carl was pointing that gun at his dad first, then the zombie stood up and he decided to take that shot instead, or he shot at his dad and just got lucky and hit oh, Shane. I don't think that was it. I think uh, my impression of what was going through Carl's head was, holy crap, you killed Shane. Uh, what is wrong with you? You know, stay away from me. You are a danger. I don't care if you're my dad or not. But then when Shane got up as a zombie, he's like, oh, that's what happened. Okay, well, now I'm going to have to shoot Shane. He thinks, so Carl decides that Shane was already a zombie and Rick was defending himself? Yes, something like that. Or, you know, uh, his dad was killing the zombie Shane or trying to at least yeah and so and his dad did say uh, Rick did say it's not what it looks like kind of thing and yeah. uh, so That's I, true. I think there was initially he was pointing the gun at Rick because he thought that he just murdered Shane when uh, and then halfway through uh, he realized that uh, oh Shane's a zombie so that's not good so and I'm not gonna <laughs> screw this up again I'm gonna take the shot this time yeah this time I'm gonna kill him yeah you're probably right I'm gonna I'm on board with that Interesting that he would point a gun at his dad no matter what, though. Yeah. So uh, he takes the shot, and it's loud, and suddenly the woods are filled with zombies. They're everywhere. <laughs> they're everywhere, and I guess they're attracted to that noise. But I didn't understand this part. They've been combing the woods for all night. Yeah. No zombies in sight except Randall. Well. And suddenly they're 
everywhere. And well, not there's only- a herd. It's a herd, right? So it's not a small group. And herds, you know, wander around at whatever noise and stuff. So maybe, you know, they were uh, checking it out and they were on there. They were always coming. They were always coming, and then now they just heard the shot. They weren't just kind of milling out just off screen kind of thing. Well, I had this problem, and Lars from Baltimore also wrote in and said at the very end of last night's episode, where did all those zombies in the woods come from? Rick, Shane, Daryl, and Glenn were combing the woods all night long, and it was silent enough for Glenn and Daryl to hear zombie Randall snap a twig. Right. (laughs) Um, And then suddenly there was zombies everywhere. Well, you're you're not... uh taking into account that there's a lich controlling everything. (laughs) And now that Shane has built a tower for the lich to have complete dominion over the whole landscape, (laughs) he scrambled up the tower and go, okay, all you guys go over there and I'll call in the dinosaurs and we'll have those guys show up. (laughs) Can the lich, the lich can summon the zombies. He cannot conjure them. Well, is that the way this works? Well, he can conjure them. Like he can, uh, you know, point at dead people and say you're a zombie now. Okay. Kind of thing. All right. The lich is making the zombies. <laughs> okay, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> and Shane built him a tower, so everything is fitting. Perfect, yeah. <laughs> everything fits perfectly. Yeah. And that's the uh, that's the end of the episode. We we the camera pans up from Shane and Carl and we see this herd of zombies approaching and there we are. We had uh, we had some really good shots uh, of the field and Shane and Rick and the moon and the moon and their conversation I, and the slight tilt of the camera mm-hmm. so that everything was kind of off angle. Uh, I thought that was really amazing and I thought it was very uh, indicative of the comic as well the comic had a lot of good shots like this every once in a while you'd be flipping the page and you get a double pager that uh you know just one scene that was over two pages and it was just awesome i think this episode kind of captured that very very well that's true when when rick and shane are in that field with the moon behind them and they're you see the whole thing and they're standing across from each other that does kind of remind you of a two-page spread in the comic. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. thought it was really, really well done. I did have some problems with this episode, though, even though I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, I'm not sure I believe entirely that Rick would just give Carl back his gun like that in the in the, uh, the hayloft. You know, I know Carl needs to have that gun for right. obvious reasons, but after after all the discussion before of of, you know, him whether he should or he shouldn't have a gun and then he steals one and he goes off wandering in the woods wouldn't a father be like maybe you're not ready for this instead of nah here you go it you got to be a man now i don't think you have the luxury to <clears throat> say you're not ready for this in this situation i think it's a matter of if you feel you got to steal one in order to protect yourself and the group maybe you should have one i don't know i i can see that side but I just think having him immediately go back and say, no, 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 here's your gun. Everything's fine. Don't worry. Next time you're in the woods, make sure you kill it. Somebody Shouldn't somebody talk to Daryl about this? It's his gun. Well, now he's going to show up. Carl's going to say, it's my gun. It's like, what do you mean it's your gun? That's my gun. I lost it. That's the other thing. But too. my dad gave it to me. But you stole it. Well, there's a, there is a problem there for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm just not so sure. It was too easy for... Carl to say I'm never touching a gun again and then his dad convince him no 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 you need this especially right. after you stole it and you've been acting like a little shit lately at the very least I think he should have had the conversation that he had in uh, in the comic book when he gave uh, Carl the gun you need this you put it in that holster if you ever take it out when you don't absolutely need to I'll take it away from you and that'll be it 
That's true, although they kind of already had that. I mean, not in so many words, but back when they were talking about gun training, that but kind that, of idea was presented. Well, that's, you know, gun training is one thing. You know, you're giving them, <clears throat> giving somebody a firearm to practice with, and at the end of the training, you take it away. But when you're giving somebody, uh, you know, giving a 12-year-old uh, a firearm, you know, you're going to put some rules on that sucker. You're going to say, you keep that in the holster, and if you ever take it out, you know, that I, I, I'm going to take it away from you. And I'm just thinking of much more severe things, like when you're on the firing line uh, in when I was in basic training, and they pointed to the guy in the tower and said, that guy has a has a rifle. If you ever point your firearm anywhere but downrange, he's allowed to shoot you. You know, that sobers you up pretty damn quick. You're and not- you're damn sure that, that you're going to control the direction of that, that firearm from that point forward. Well, yeah, because he's going to take you out. Yeah. If, if you do anything crazy. He probably wouldn't, but still... You know, put the fear of God in us, oh, that's yeah. for sure. The fear of God works. And we were 17. I was 17 at the time. <laughs> ages and ages ago. Ages and ages ago when you handed me a, a <laughs> semi-automatic firearm uh, to a 17-year-old. It's just That's that's crazy. You need somebody on a tower pointing a firearm at you to, to make sure that you're still under control. And Yeah, you those 17-year-olds need to know that. That's I true. know some 17-year-olds, and I'm not sure I would want a semi-automatic <laughs> rifle in their hands. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think so. There's probably <laughs> enough 17-year-olds wandering around the city with yeah, probably. pistols and stuff like that. Um, another problem I had, now this has caused some issue, I think, online in general, is that how did how did they walk so far through the forest and end up so close to the farm? Uh, was, yeah. was, this, was this part of Shane's plan to sort of go around in circles? And if so, did Rick just not notice this? Like, did, why didn't he say, how come we're walking around in circles here? They did talk about going this way, but they ended up right back at a clearing outside the outside the farm, close enough for, I assume, Carl to see them through those binoculars in right. pitch <clears throat> darkness and then show up, well, moonlight, I guess, but and then get there quick enough, sneak out of the farm somehow yeah. and get there fast enough. So... Did that strike you as weird? It did strike me as a little weird because, well, I have a number of problems with this as well. One is that if somebody is going to escape your custody and try and run away, he's going to run directly away, not sort of kind of loop around, not kind of go over this way. He's going to run directly away. So they should have been looking in direct lines away from the farm. Except that it's easy to get turned around in the forest at night. Well, apparently uh, Randall knows his way around here, right? He knows the area. He knows uh, where the farm is in relation to other things. So he's going to go, I'm going to beeline it straight east to get to the highway. And then I'm going to take the highway and get over to there. And I'm going to get back to my people where I can control them because I'm in charge of all these people because I'm Ben (laughs) from Lost. I'm sure that's exactly what he was thinking. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was one of my problems. They just sort of ended up right back where they started, and nobody addressed that. Yeah, well, I think that's, that may be why—I uh, don't know why Shane did it, but it may be why Rick was cluing in to what was going on. It's like, why are we going to this field? That's true, and, and, and to be fair, maybe Rick wouldn't have just piped up and said, we're walking around in circles, you know? He didn't let on—he didn't let on, you know, explicitly that he knew Shane's plan until they got there, and he said, is this right. where you're going to do it? Well, okay, so uh, if He we, was playing along to that point, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's why he didn't say anything. If we assume Rick is playing along for going in circles for whatever reason, all we have to do is figure out why Shane was such an idiot that he thought he could get away with walking around in circles and why he would want to. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Just wait until it gets darker <clears throat> or something. Like, I don't know. 
hope, why, why hope that they were attacked by wolves and he didn't have to kill them. You know, I don't know. Or maybe he was walking around hoping that Zombie Randall would sneak up and and Sh- attack Rick. Shane didn't know about Zombie Randall. <sighs> You're right. Shane didn't know about Zombie Randall. He thought just Randall was dead. Yeah. He was snapped neck Randall. Well, um, yeah, I suppose. But Shane is the one who pointed out to those two police officers at the water treatment uh, public works plant. Right. That they weren't bitten. So maybe he was starting to figure that out too. Well, maybe they all thought, and we all thought that scratches were enough. <clears throat> That's true. And, you know, the internet at large, from what I've read, are thinking that if scratches are enough, you know, everybody was basically scratched at one point. You know, oh my God, he touched her. Or at the very least had the guts on them and it, you know, soaks in or it gets in your mouth or right. something. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. We haven't had anybody really, uh, well, Shane turned really quickly, didn't he? Very quickly. And Randall would have had to have turned quickly too. But Jenner said anywhere from five minutes to like a day. But didn't uh, didn't the uh, the producers of the show come out and say it had to do with the age and health of the person who died? And we assume that Amy, because she was young and healthy, uh, took a, all night to turn? That a, a older a health- person would take even longer. Uh, I was thinking the other way around. A healthy person would take a long time to turn, whereas a an older, sicker oh. person would turn almost immediately because they're old and sick. So, but Shane wouldn't have been old and sick. No, he was in uh, he was in great shape. <sighs> yeah, so, I I don't know. I don't think there's a rule there that's been established. Right. So, I guess it uh, depends on maybe he had. Oh, he was he cut himself with that zombie blade, so he was infected right good. Maybe that had to do with it too, the amount of zombie microbes in your bloodstream. Yeah, except I think it's pretty clear now that the rule is everyone turns, whether you're infected or not. Maybe just getting it in you speeds the process a little bit. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, you can get a little bit from the groundwater, but if you cut yourself after stabbing a zombie in the head, you're going to get a little more of the, uh, what do you call them? I don't even know what to call them. The midichlorians? I was going to say that. <laughs> but, in, you know, with that said, Amy was bitten. You'd think that would be the best way to get him. But get Shane had a couple quickly. of days where that stuff could get through uh, his bloodstream, whereas uh, Amy was bit, and once she got bitten, that at that point it needed to get through her bloodstream. But then she died, and very few things go through your bloodstream when you're dead. That's true. Things slow down an awful lot. Yeah. <laughs> or stop. You know, I'm going to go with... Um, I'm going to go with the longer this goes on, or the longer you survive in the zombie apocalypse, the quicker you turn. All right, let's go with that. So if Amy had only been living in this for a few days, and it had only been in her for, who knows, well, from the bite, let's say, so very quickly, Right. Um, that's why it took 12 hours to get through. If Shane got it in him six weeks ago, well, it's in his system, and it's it's pumping through his his you know heart all, all the time. I'm going to go with that. Okay. <laughs> There you go. I'm going to go with a variation on that in that uh, with, you know, being around <clears throat> zombies, you get more and more of whatever makes you a zombie in your blood system at any uh, any given time, which is sort of like what you're saying. And naturally, it just depends on whether the lich targets you or not. Well, yeah, if you got the, you know, if the lich knows who you are, you're screwed right from the, the get-go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the, the secret is to not let the lich know where or who you are. I have one more problem with Shane's plan. Okay. And that is that it felt convenient, and this isn't really a problem with his plan, maybe, but it's a problem with his plan versus how it was written. It felt convenient to me that all four of them walk into the forest, and then they conveniently split up into those two groups, exactly who Shane wanted to be with. You know, what was he going to do? Whose idea was, was it to split up? It was Rick's. And he Rick set the groups. Set the groups. 
Now, maybe Shane just knows this about his friend. Like, maybe he's like, we're always doing everything together, so I'm going to take that gamble. But the problem was, he couldn't have planned for all four of them going into the forest together. And what was he going to do if they decided to all four stay together and keep looking for Randall? He, well, that was the problem. He'd lead, he'd lead them to this clearing, and then it'd be three against one, and he'd have no hope of That's true. pulling it off. Well, he got lucky. <clears throat> You have to be, in order uh, to be a success, you have to be willing to be lucky. Yeah, to, you got to be lucky to be good and good to be lucky. Yeah. I don't know. Or he, at least willing to be lucky. Shane maybe has a bit of a Han Solo complex in that he's just naturally a lucky guy. Well, yeah. You know, that's how you get to be someone like well, that. Well, except for, you know, the stabby bit at the end there. <laughs> Everyone has to die at some point. That's true. So We, we all owe a death. There you go. Um, other than all that complaining, though, I think this was a really solid episode. It was. Really, really enjoyed it. All righty. And with that, before we move on to Holy Crap, Did You See That? we got to take a brief minute to thank our sponsor, which is Audible this <clears throat> week. For you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You know what I'm going to recommend this week? No, tell me. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to do something very rarely done in the uh, the Audible sphere. Highly uh, unusual? Highly unusual. And I'm going to go ahead and recommend the same book I recommended last week. How can you get away with such a thing? <laughs> because uh, since last week, I've uh, I purchased the stand and I started listening <clears throat> to it and I got through the first five hours so far and I'm loving it. I think it's great. <clears throat> we had one or two listeners write in and say how good it is. Uh, not necessarily the audiobook, but just the book in general. The book in general is good. Like I'm, uh, you know, I've gone through phases of Stephen King. There was stuff I didn't like and stuff I did like, stuff I really liked. Uh, and I think now, and this is one of his earlier stuff. This was written in like 1979, 78. It was the late 70s anyway, early 80s. And, uh, you know, a lot of his older stuff I couldn't really get on board with. But th- I think now that I'm a little older, I'm a little, uh, I think I'm more inclined to like his style whereas uh, when i was younger I'd, all i wanted was plot i didn't care about the characters like shut up i don't care about them just give me plot tell me what's going on but now it's a you know a lot of his books are a character study so this is a very long book and a very good book and i'm very much enjoying it and grover gardner the the reader of the book is fantastic he's doing a great job uh, even in the swearing because there is some very colorful swearing in this book and nice. he's doing a fantastic job of uh, <laughs> bringing that to life it's a it's a it's a great listen it really is that is awesome jason has matured as a reader and if you want to do the same you can download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash talking dead that is audibletrial.com slash talking dead for your free audiobook holy crap did you see that? All right, it's time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? And from here on, we're going to give Jason a little bit more to do than usual. <clears throat> we are going to alternate reading this and our listener feedback because I think he's expanded as a, uh, as a reader. He's going to expand as a, <laughs> as a speaker. I, I've too. learned to read since last week. <laughs> now, when you say alternator, we're not going to alternate words. Is that right? <laughs> uh, no, that would probably take too long. I, I've tried doing that in the past, and it's, uh, it's quite difficult to do. <laughs> Okay, well, let's not try that. At okay. least, at well, least I, not. You know, today. I just wanted to be clear and uh, to make sure that I understand what's going on here. All right, we've got lots of feedback from people. This is holy crap! Did you see that? And I'll go first. This comes from Jonathan on the internet, and his moment from judge, jury, and executioner is when Carl started playing. 
in quotes, with the walker who was stuck. It reminded me of how a child would play with a bug, like a spider, and learn to not be afraid of it. Pretty cool moment for Carl, if you ask me. I got that impression too. I would agree with that. I didn't, uh, <clears throat> it didn't, that kind of thought didn't bubble to the surface. But uh, now that you mention it, that kind of did, uh, that did occur to me. I liked it. Yeah, he's, like, like Jonathan says, he's kind of learning to not be afraid of it, which is good and bad. You want to stay calm if you're, you know, around a zombie and, and do what you need to do. But there also has to be some fear, I think. Yeah, well, you don't uh, you don't walk up to it. <laughs> like Carl did. Yeah, you shoot it from as far away as you can, or you get something long and pointy like either a scythe or a pitchfork mm -hmm. or uh, something. You know, having a, uh, what do you call them, a pike would be nice. Mm -hmm. They could start making pikes. I think they should make pikes. You know what I've never seen? Or a halberd. <laughs> a zombie kill with a caber. A caber? Can you imagine like caber, a caber toss? Yeah, can you imagine tossing a caber and... And hitting a zombie and squishing its head. I'm not entirely sure the caber ha has been meant as a weapon. <laughs> I know it's not a weapon, but it's it's not it, the whole point of a caber is to see how if you can get the thing over and how straight it can be and whether it falls to the side and things. So if the, you know, if a perfect score is for it to have it to fall correctly, you know, it's not really an aimable weapon. <laughs> I think you could do it in a pinch. Anything well, can be a weapon in you, a pinch. You know what would be a really good pinch? A really good weapon in a pinch? What? An avalanche. If they could just engineer an avalanche <laughs> or, uh, you know, a mudslide or a flood even. Giant. Oh, my God. There's zombies chasing us. Wait. There's a freak flood. A flash flood. And they all got washed Phew. away. <laughs> we ever get lucky there. There you go. All right. We got another email from uh, Mark from New Jersey on Judge Jury Executioner. And his holy crap moment was the one hero zombie in this episode was the first featured Walking Dead zombie that appeared shirtless. So that's exciting. Or topless. Either way. Either really. way. <laughs> shirtless is uh, more specific when it comes to zombies because in theory you could have a zombie with no torso. Well, topless is also confusing. You could also think topless mean, meant uh, no hat. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is the first zombie without a hat. That's right. <laughs> that's a good one. Phil... In Kansas City from Better Angels says, My moment was after Shane was killed. We get to see what is going through his mind prior to Carl's bullet. I have not started to read the comics. Is this something new? The answer hmm. is yes. This is new. Well, there you go. It's new to the TV show and new to the comic because the comic has never gotten into no. far less than the show in terms of what caused these zombies and what it's like for these zombies. Oh, the fact that they went to the CDC... And uh, it's a form of meningitis. I'm like, holy crap, they really did show us, give us a lot of information there. All Just one sentence, and it was like more information than we ever got in six years of the comic. You know, and they keep saying that they're never going to get into this anymore, yet then they do stuff like this, where we get the Shane zombie brain cam, and, right. uh, and we get a little more info. So who knows where uh, they will end up taking us. That's true. I don't know. All right, where are we? We're from uh, Chris from Georgia. My holy crap, did you see that moment? Is Carl shooting zombie Shane? I like it because it plays homage to the comic and shows that Carl is starting to grow up. I see this show is going to have. Uh, I see this show is going to have to add more character cause. Lori's is what the hell is that sentence? I can see this show is going to have to add more characters because Lori is next to go. There you go. All right, he is prognosticating that Lori will be the next one to be killed. I don't think I'm on board. I have a feeling Lori is one of those characters that is reasonably safe. I don't know why I feel that way. I just yeah, do. I, th I think she's safe too. I mean, <clears throat> the first part of this uh, actually brings up a very interesting point that I'm uh, I'm glad came up because uh, the fact that Shane shot 
Oh, sorry, Carl shot Shane after he was a zombie, which is different than the comic book. And mm-hmm. now I'm going to spoil something that never is going to happen in the show. Okay. It happened in the comic book, but it's never going to happen in the show, is that uh, in this uh, final uh, argument between Shane and Rick, it's Carl that shoots Shane and kills him. Yeah, living Shane. In living the Shane. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it didn't happen this way. And what we lose in this uh, in this method of killing Shane is two things. One, uh, we lose the uh, the moment of uh, you know Carl making that decision to shoot Shane, killing a living person. And I think the show kind of chickened out on that because of the whole kid violence thing. You can't have a kid shoot a living being. I think you're right, but I'm not disappointed with how it went down in the show. I don't think it was. A disappointment to see him shoot a zombie Shane instead of a living Shane. I, I kind of see. I'm I'm a little bit disappointed for a different reason, but uh, I'm a little bit uh, saddened that they would if they went this way because they couldn't get away with that level of violence, which I kind of understand. Yeah, they've right? gotten away with a pretty solid level of violence. They have, but it's all <laughs> been uh, you know when you have a kid kill something, it's got to it can't just be a living being because he's angry at his dad. Right, that's that's out and out murder by a twelve-year-old, mm-hmm. and that's kind of harsh to put on television. And I've been saying that for years now. That this moment, I'm not sure that they would actually, you know, do. Yeah. And so now we know they're not going to do it. The other thing we lose is that uh, Shane is now dead as a zombie, and in the comic book, uh, and again, this is something spoiling something in the comic book that's never going to happen in the TV show, uh, is that they don't know uh, that zombies can come back from just regularly killed people. Uh, so, you know, just somebody that just dies from a broken neck or, a, you know, a knife wound to the chest. Um, they don't know at this point that uh, they can come back as zombies and they move on with their lives. They go on and a little while later, once they realize this, Rick leaves, trudges all the way back to this spot, digs up Shane and kills him. Yeah, because they've they buried him because he didn't turn right away. And once they find out that he's probably a zombie buried under the ground, digs him up and shoots him. Right. So we lose that now too. We do lose that, and that's that's such a it's a great scene, um, but it's all part and parcel to the reveal in the comic that you know they're all the Walking Dead more or less. Right. And we're getting that reveal next week, I think. And I think this is also going to be the <clears throat> whole what Jenner whispered to to Rick at the CDC. It is. And when we get to next week on the Walking Dead, I mean, we'll talk about it more. But it looks like we've got an intense action-packed episode next week. So they're going to have to find at least a minute to settle things down and have Rick say, oh, by the way, <laughs> this is what I know. Uh, now we, we also, uh, when we get into the, okay, well, I'll save that for when we get into it. Talk about it later. Yeah. Okay. Chad, Chad from Wisconsin is next. And he writes, my moment from last night's episode would have to be Shane ramming himself full force into a tree and then <laughs> bear hugging the tree. Well, what else are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty hard to, Bring yourself to punch yourself in the face hard enough to break your nose. You don't think you could do it? I don't think. I don't think I can. I know I can. I'm not sure it's humanly possible to do that. I don't know. You ever see Fight Club? (laughs) Okay, don't spoil Fight Club. But I don't think it's humanly possible to punch yourself in the face and break your own nose. I mean, it's humanly possible, but could you bring yourself to do that? I'm not sure. Um, People kill themselves all the time. Oh, okay, you're right. Jim Morrison, his brother, committed suicide. He stabbed himself in the chest 27 times. What? 
27 times stabbed himself. Okay, I take that all back then. It's totally possible to punch yourself in the face hard enough. <laughs> it, it's not, you know, you, you can't have your all your faculties with you because, you know, committing suicide with that amount of rage is not indicative of somebody who's completely sane. That's true. So, uh, and uh, Jim Morrison's father was the uh, the captain of the USS Enterprise. <laughs> the aircraft was, carrier. Uh, right, okay. <laughs> That's crazy. Just, just so you know. Sarah from Regina, the city that rhymes with fun, and that's uh, Sarah's words, everybody. Is that, is that their official slogan? <laughs> it should be. <laughs> it should be, because that's awesome. Come to Regina, the city that rhymes with fun. Ooh, yeah, there's no way. <laughs> Sarah says, my first holy crap, did you see that moment, has to do with Lori. She's so concerned with male-female gender division based on what work needs to be done, and yet watching your child, which really should be number one on her list, seems to be very hard for her to do. Seriously, there's one kid in this group, and no <laughs> one notices that he's been gone for so long? Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Where is that, uh, What? what's that guy's name again? <laughs> yeah, that, that little shrimp that, wiener kid that keeps hanging that around. short let's, human yeah. that, uh, where's, you know, he's got a hat now. Where is he? He's, I don't know. He yeah. got shot a little while ago. <laughs> yeah, and he's up and around now. I don't know where he is. Sarah had a second one, and I liked it as well, so we're going to read it. She said, you guys had brought up the fact that when Dale was leaving the group, uh, discussion about what to do with Randall, you see that Daryl is wearing what appears to be a Hell's Angels biker jacket with wings on the back. I took that more as Daryl being Dale's angel of mercy or just an angel in general. Well, yeah. It's an interesting thought, you know? He was the one that stepped up and put uh, Dale out of his misery. Yes. He the angel of mercy. Some of the heavy lifting. He did the heavy lifting. That is right. So the last one, do you want to introduce it? Sure. It's Max from Connecticut, and he has a few comments. Uh, then he finishes with a, holy crap, did you see that moment? That's right. Here we go. Hey, this is Max from Connecticut. I just wanted to give you my comments on Better Angels. Uh, first, I got to say how, you know, upset and just disappointed I am that they killed Dale the episode prior. You know, it just really felt like a big F you to the fans. I, you know, when you all the comic book fans look back and they think about The Walking Dead, you just think Dale on the RV, and, you know, it's just the imagery, and he was a perfect cast uh, for that part. So, but going to Better Angels, I really think that they knocked it out of the park. Even though AMC spoiled, you know, the big moment, you know, it was still a crazy amount of attention. And the way they, you know, portrayed Shane in the last final scenes just looking like a zombie and, you know, acting like a zombie beforehand, you know, with his mouth open and spit coming out, you know, in not just the scene while they're walking through the woods, but, you know, while he's talking to Lori, you know, the shocked look and, you know, when he's in the barn with Randall, it was just unbelievable. I just, you know, I think Shane knocked it out of part. So my holy crap, did you see that moment was just John Birdball. You know, the guy is as much as I hate the character, I think he really, really did uh, Walking Dead a good service. All right, that's all for now. See you. So I saved that one for the end because I'm going to go ahead and agree with Max on this one. It was Bernthal's last <clears throat> episode, and I just can't, uh, you know, I, can't, I, I think he did a fine, fine job in the whole series in general, and I think just everything he did was spectacular. Oh, I think so too. I think he did a fantastic job. <clears throat> Just um, hated him so much. Exactly. You hated him so much, but you kind of loved to hate him. And then there were moments where you're like, well, maybe he's okay. Maybe he really is doing the right thing here. You know, everyone else has got it wrong and he's he's the only one that can properly protect them. But, you know, it didn't work out for him. So, no, it didn't. Holy crap. Did you see John Bernthal all season? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Have you got one? Have I got a holy crap? You know, I'm, I mentioned it in the uh, in the recap, and I'm going to go with uh, I have to go with uh, Andrea and the and the the pick, not the pick. What do you call that thing? Pitch pitchfork. Fork. So uh, just the two shots with the pitchfork that she had uh, in the cold open. You know, there was another interesting shot in the cold open. <laughs> can we say that anymore? <laughs> uh, we sure can. There was another interesting shot when they were uh, when the last zombie they killed when. Shane killed it with the shovel. Yeah. And he really cracked its head apart. Oh, he split it open at the top there like a like a soft-boiled egg. The inside of that zombie's skull didn't even look like there was a brain in there anymore. It, it looked like it was kind of <clears throat> hollow and full of cobwebs <laughs> or something, you know? Nice. Like a soft-boiled egg. Something like that, I suppose. But it seems like, you know, the the brain in these, these creatures is all but dried up and shriveled away into nothing. Oh, I watched a show... A little while ago, uh, it's called the, the Mummification of Alan on the Discovery Channel. <laughs> Poor Alan. It's exactly what it sounds like. They took the took this guy who knew he was dying of lung cancer, and he donated his body to science, but donated it specifically to try a mummification technique of the you know the late whatever when they mummified people in uh, in ancient Egypt, and so they were trying this mummification technique, and it was weird because they interviewed the guy. And then they showed, it was pretty graphic and it was very disturbing, but uh, when they took x-rays, or sorry, an MRI after the initial mummification process, they showed that the brain kind of shrank and then settled at the bottom of the skull. Mm -hmm. It was only like half the size of a normal brain. So maybe that's exactly what's happening, is that the uh, the brain starts to rot <clears throat> and uh, and just basically it leaves a big hollow gap inside the skull gross that fills up with cobwebs apparently or, or something i don't know hard-boiled eggs <laughs> yeah so go check out that uh, documentary on mummification uh, calling the, the mummification of alan it's very very disturbing that sounds really creepy oh it was and it was nasty too because they had to uh, to clean out the body cavity the uh, <laughs> okay that's enough <laughs> and, they, I can watch, and they showed it i can watch zombies get destroyed on tv every week but body cavity Oh, it was horrifying. I, I couldn't stop watching, and I had bad dreams. That night. All right. Anyway. Well, let's move on to yeah. something else. Listener feedback. Well, that was loud. It sure was. Uh, all righty. So listener feedback. I'll go <clears throat> first this time. Sure. We got a call, so I won't have to do anything, from Mike <laughs> from Florida on the sexist nature of the show. Hey, this is Mike from Florida. Uh, I want to touch on the topic of the sexist women role. One thing no one's ever mentioned is that this is the South. I don't know if any of you guys have been to the South. Well, actually, you have been to the South lately. But uh, a lot of those roles still run strong. I have friends I went to school with now who still go to debutante balls. So it might seem sexist to you guys in the cold, cold north. But <laughs> down here, those roles are still pretty strong. And me, specifically me, uh, while I grew up in the South, I'm from a Caribbean background. And even in that, my mom still cooks every day. And she still, she can't, she has to get home to make my dad dinner, et cetera. So I understand. I, I agree with you guys that, you know, if the show never brought it up, if there was no argument, that would be one thing. But I think it's pretty fitting for the South. I don't know. Yeah. So Mike from Florida is just saying that this is the way it is down here. That, you know, that's a very good point. <clears throat> and it's that's true. I mean, they are in the South. They're in Georgia. And they're trying to be a little bit authentic to the time and place. 
I think I would like to go to a debutante ball, even though I probably am I allowed to go to a debutante ball? I don't know. I we don't have that sort of thing up here that no. I know of, so I don't well, know. Well, debutante ball is that only for women? I don't know. <laughs> I think it sounds like fun though. You go up and everybody dances. I would assume. <laughs> I have no idea what it is, but I think it sounds like it would be a hoot nanny. <laughs> I think I know what a hoot nanny is, but uh, I don't know. Uh, okay, well, that email, I mean, that call raised more questions than it answered for you, I I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> okay, very good. Before you do that, though, uh, why don't you read Phil from Kansas City? All right, so I lost... There, hold on a second. There we go. Phil from Kansas City on Shane's bad line to Carl. I think you were wrong about the line that Shane says to Carl, stop trying to get yourself killed. As a bad line, I think it... Uh, okay, so I think it was about time that someone told him that. That is exactly what Carl has been doing. He seems to have no concern for himself, and he's uh, going to get someone killed, or already did. I don't know. I still didn't like the line. It it bothered me. Uh, I can so see... Are you uh, upset with the line in general, or with the delivery of the line? The line in general. I, I'm fine with Bernthal's performance. Right. I just think the line was silly. and like Who's scruffy looking? <laughs> yeah, it was one of those, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I can see uh, Phil's point here that Carl has been a little bit self-destructive, maybe. Yeah. Um, wandering around with guns and stealing them and going to poke zombies with or throws rocks at zombies. But I don't think anyone needs to tell him this. I mean, obviously, no one's trying to... He's not trying to get himself killed. It's a little too literal. You Did know? he poke it with a stick? No, he threw the rocks at he it. He should have poked it with a stick. And then he walked right up with the gun and didn't pull he the trigger. He should have poked it with a stick. That would have been uh, very fitting. I guess so. So I can't say I'm on board with the line, but uh, I understand Phil's point. Patty from the internet writes in, According to what I have read, when stabbing a person, you need to twist the knife to prevent the body from getting hung up on the knife, possibly trapping the knife in the body and jerking it out of your hands. I read a lot of historical fiction, and it seems to have been a common practice to teach soldiers when arming uh, them with bayonets. Mm. They were taught stab, twist, and pull the bayonet out. If your bayonet or sword got stuck in a body, the weight of the body would drag the weapon from your hands and leave you defenseless. Well, there you go. So twisting knives make sense, I suppose. Um, Twisting a knife when it's in a zombie's skull, I still think would be pretty hard. Well, I think I have to, uh, you know, upon reflection of uh, the last couple of episodes and having a a little bit of time to think about it, I think that the, uh, the bodies of the zombies are rotting and that the skull is probably pretty mushy. And once you get it, get the knife in there, there's not a lot of brain left. And so that's as twist yeah. around. And that's evidenced by that that shovel zombie from this episode. You know, there's no brain in there. Probably the pressure inside the skull is a lot lower than it was, and the bone is still hard. But they've obviously been able to crush some skulls here with relative ease. Right. You know, I don't think if I hit you in the head with a shovel, your 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 skull would explode into pieces like it did when Shane hit it. Oh, I don't know. <clears throat> Shovel can be pretty devastating. It would take a few hits. Come on, wouldn't it? You know what you need to do? You need to hammer that shovel flat and then sharpen the edge. And that would be a formidable weapon. It would, because you can you can smack the flat side or you can cut with the, sh- the sharp side. Nobody has a crowbar. No, haven't. Where are the crowbars? I, there's got to be a... I don't know. Maybe it's too up close and personal for them. Crowbar's the perfect weapon for zombies. It's got a, a good heft to it. You can whack people in the head with it. You can uh, There's a pointy end that you can jab people in the skull. And yep. worst case scenario, you can always use it as a crowbar. That's right. Worst case, you can pry open a door. 
Yeah, there you go. Where's the crowbar? I'm sure there's one around on the farm somewhere. All right. They should go to a fire station and get those tools that the firefighters use to pry open doors and to do stuff. Because those things are, I forget what they're called, but they're, uh, they're really nifty tools for, you know, prying stuff out of people's and skulls. presumably killing zombies. <clears throat> right. All right. So we got uh, John from the internet. In one of your shows, you mentioned how Dale jumped, into, jumped to the conclusion that Shane killed Otis... Uh, as a trick that law and order should use, uh, would use to keep the story going. Ex- ex- example, uh, the coffee is still hot. They must be catching a bus out of town. It's the, true. The yeah. example there, I think, is that it's kind of illogical. Well, it is. It's a it's a hell of a leap of faith. And yeah. uh, that's a law and order criminal intent specifically uh, that I had that problem with. I think Dale's suspicion comes from reason, one where he caught Shane lining up a shot on Rick when uh, they were in the woods. When Shane sees that Dale saw him, he quickly lowered his weapon and tried to play it off like he didn't know it was Rick, but you could see that Dale saw through it. I think from that point, uh, Dale had an idea of what type of man Shane is. Yeah, um, from season one. Uh, I think that's a good point. I had a very good point. I hadn't thought back to that scene when we were talking about it last week, but Dale's been suspicious of Shane or had been suspicious of Shane for a lot longer than we kind of remembered. Right. You know, he he didn't trust that guy since season one, mm-hmm. since near the beginning. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility that he would start to put two and two together, especially when he's constantly thinking about how bad a guy Shane is. Right. Tom from New York on the squishy sound effects, he writes, regarding your discussion on the sound effects used during the fist fight scenes, a pertinent segment on the, quote, on the media radio show and podcast from this past weekend. Short answer, no, it's not realistic. <laughs> right. So I went and listened to On the Media, and I got to say it was super interesting. They they were analyzing the sound of punches in movies over the last 40 years. They included crip, clips from Raging Bull and Rocky for older films and newer movies like The Fighter and Drive. I'll post a link to this because it's only about 15 minutes, and it's really, really interesting. Holy crap, I'm going to go listen to that. Yeah, it's great. You can hear the punches in like Rocky are just sort of a dull kind of thud which may they may not sound like real punches but they aren't the big you know things you hear in action movies today right like where it's i don't know i don't even know how to describe it did they used to uh record those sound effects by uh you know beating up a, a side of beef uh or slapping a fish against something you know things like that <laughs> foley is awesome i love foley hey speaking of foley last night on amc's talking dead they played a segment on the foley for the walking dead oh yeah and the behind the scenes stuff of the of them recording the footsteps and the zombie noises it was super <clears throat> interesting so um good on amc's talking dead for doing that because oh, it was no very cool that, that's good you ever watch the documentary on the sound effects in star wars uh i've seen parts of that where they like take a hammer and ping it off of like a, a a metal lamp post or something and that makes the blaster it's sound a high tension wire or some kind they yeah. whack it on there and that's where they get the blaster shots which yeah. is part of the blaster shots and the uh, the doors that squeak open they used uh sneakers on a on the uh, basketball floor <laughs> to get part of that sound god that's great, great stuff <clears throat> all right so dan from massachusetts i want to comment on carl's accuracy with the pistol he was teary-eyed, and he shot inches from his own father's head. It's like he received his training from the Marines. Well, he received his training from the very man he shot, or the, the zombie man he shot. Take that, teacher man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is true. He couldn't have said duck or something like you said earlier. Yeah. He, he decided <clears throat> to whiz it right by his dad's ear and shoot 
uh, Shane. And if you look, when Shane gets up, those three people seem to be standing in a perfect row. Right. So he would have had to shoot through his dad to hit Shane. But yeah. I guess the zombie shambled off to the side a little bit. Yeah, I've been playing Mass Effect uh, 3 over the weekend. And I have the same problem with, uh, you know, you go out as a squad when you're in combat. And there's these two other people kind of running all over the place. And they constantly run in front of you. And they just stop. And it's like, okay, this is my line of fire, mister. And, you know, me being the kind of guy that I am. And I'm playing a, a renegade in that 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 uh, story <clears throat> so i just shoot between their legs if they happen to get shot you know so be it you stopped in front of me knowing that this was my line of fire stupid npcs stupid npcs leanne from the internet writes i'm sure you've heard the news of the governor being cast shane has played the villain throughout the journey and it would be too much for two villains to exist so i expect they'll be hasty about introducing the governor once things have settled again shane and the governor could not coexist because of shane's possessiveness of laurie and how the governor and his men treat women Mm-hmm. So that's her thoughts on bringing the governor in early in next season. That's a very interesting <clears throat> point. So I think uh, you're absolutely right, and I'm pretty sure they're going to kill Shane off. <laughs> you're right. He's, <laughs> he's he's bound to go soon. Yeah. All righty. And at, finally, Jason? Finally, me. you got Jeff from the internet. Uh, uh, usage of various Nazi insignia is common among members of the Hells Angels, as well as other outlaw motorcycle clubs. But use of an SS patch on the club does not denote anything other than uh, white supremacist sympathies and are used to shock citizens. The patch uh, that a member of the Hells Angels would wear signifying that they had committed homicide on behalf of the club would be a small black patch with a white lettering reading filthy few. In relation to Daryl's uh, angel on the ja- angel wing jacket, jacket uh, the only thing that this jacket uh, and... A Hell's Angel colors have in common is that they are made out of leather. Good for you. So that's not a Hell's Angels jacket, but it is a Hell's Angels insignia. Uh, right. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear that the little lightning bolt SS patch really actually is sort of white supremacy and not anything else. Right. Interesting there that you, you would think he'd paint over that or, or scratch it off or something. I, I think he would get or, rid of that motorcycle altogether. Or, that thing is completely impractical. Or draw a red circle with a line through it or something at <laughs> no least. No Nazis. Yeah. No SS here. <clears throat> I think the motorcycle is pretty impractical because it's loud and it provides no protection. And just the handlebars, it just, that's got to be uncomfortable to ride. I mean, it, sure, it makes a statement. And if you're riding through a town and, it, and it's very, very loud and people are looking at you and you're going, holy crap, I can't believe that this motorcycle guy is driving through here. I'm intimidated and afraid. That's not really relevant anymore. Uh, you're absolutely right. You know what it is good for, though, I bet? And I'm just wildly speculating here. Holding guns? Yeah, for riding with one hand and a shotgun mounted on the, because uh, they're so high in front of you, you could mount right. that shotgun right on the on the uh, handlebars there and just fire them off as you're riding around. Wasn't that in Machete? Yeah, I think it was. It was a minigun strapped why, to a motorcycle. Kind of why I thought of it. Yeah, it's good times. <laughs> so there you go. All right, we got one more segment before we wrap it up. Here we go. Next week on The Walking Dead. Next time on The Walking Dead. So next week's episode is titled Beside the Dying Fire. It's directed by Ernest Dickerson and written by Robert Kirkman and Glenn Mazzara. Ooh. So Robbie Kirkman has a hand in writing this one. Uh, did he? Has, I can't remember now. Did he write any of the rest of season two? Because he did write that one in season one. I don't know. So this might be his only season two. I don't outing. recall the name in any of the credits we've read off. No, I don't think so. But, you know, we did the first half of the season a while back, so... It's been a long time. Here's the summary. Rick and Carl return from the woods to find the farm in jeopardy. No kidding. Oh, really? 
The group is split up in the ensuing chaos. With things looking grim, Rick's leadership is questioned. So that means nothing. No, not a lot. But uh, here is the audio from this week's promo. Next Sunday on the season finale of The Walking Dead, 13 survivors battle an army of walkers. Oh, my God. You take them all on. This is my farm. I'll die here. The Walking Dead, the season finale premiere. A lot of screaming. No, no kidding. And Herschel making a last stand. Um, let's let's do some quick predicting here. Okay. Do you think they're going to kill off a major character for the third episode in a row? I don't think that, oh, a major character. I don't know. That's a that's a tough call. Somebody's got to die. Is the only thing I can think of. But who's who's left? Herschel. Herschel's going to die. Yeah, I think so. I think they're going to. I mean, he's their medic, but I think they're going to. I think they're going to kill off Herschel. I don't think they're going to kill Maggie. No. They're not going to kill Glenn. I don't no. think they're going to kill Andrea. No. A lot of people on the internet are speculating Lori's going to go not to yet. solve the pregnancy problem they have. But I don't think so. No. I don't think she's going. That leaves Herschel or Daryl, but they're not going to kill Daryl. Yeah, everyone loves Daryl. Yeah. Um, he's Daryl's Beth or Jimmy. They could they might kill Beth or Beth and or Jimmy um in addition to Herschel. I mean that that Green family might be a lot smaller. By right. the end of next week, uh, you know. But that said, uh, I'm not entirely convinced they are actually going to kill anybody. I think we've had two big deaths two weeks in a row here. They're going to give us a lot of action. They're going to give us a lot of running and zombie killing and narrow escapes and people trapped and things like that. Right. But I don't know if anyone's going to die. That's just what I'm what I'm thinking. That's fair. <clears throat> now, having said that, we got an email from Troy in Indiana, and he says, I read an excellent review, uh, an excellent interview with Robert Kirkman I thought might interest you. He mentioned that in episode 212, which is the one we just watched, the script originally called for two major deaths, but at the last minute they decided to hold one off until 213, so they didn't bombard viewers with too much at one time. Hmm. Randall obviously wasn't considered a major death. So I'm thinking it's got to be either Herschel or Lori. It's going to be Herschel. I, I think Herschel's the the most obvious choice for another another character death. So. If this is true, I didn't have time. This Troy sent this email just not long before we started recording, so I didn't have time to go and check out the interview yet. Uh, but I'm going to do that for sure before next week and uh, see see what context Kirkman was talking in there. But if Troy is to believed to be believed, and I have no reason not to think so, then we might actually be in for another death next week. That is to say, we also have to believe Robert Kirkman, and we know that guy spouts off stuff all the time that may or may not be true. Right. Now, the only uh, there is foreshadowing of, uh, of Herschel dying in the next episode. Uh, Glenn uh, will not check up with Maggie while her father is in the house. You're right. He does say something about while while he's in the house with your dad in the house yeah. i don't think so <laughs> so he's probably lying in bed right now i know that's impossible because it's a tv show and they filmed it months ago but he's probably lying in bed go geez, going i wish uh, herschel would die <laughs> so i can go and so he didn't back, lie uh, with his daughter that's right <laughs> well okay all signs point to herschel i guess yeah, i think herschel's uh herschel's doomed okay three characters in three episodes that plus, would be unprecedented. Plus a dead Randall. Plus Randall, exactly. Yeah. 
I, I say that would be unprecedented, but I really have no idea. Well, in what TV show do they kill off uh, three primary characters in a, in three episodes, let alone one whole season? Okay, we've got two characters that have died uh, that are multi-season characters mm-hmm. that have died in two subsequent episodes or sequential episodes, and having a third die uh, for someone that has been in uh, the whole season, that's pretty uh, That's pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. I think the only uh, the real uh, comparison I can think of is when Mr. Echo died on Lost. That was a shocker. Yeah. I didn't think Echo would die. I, people, I think people tended to like him, but nobody else died at the same time, did they? No, they didn't, but I, it, just, it was heart-wrenching, you know? <laughs> I liked Mr. Echo. You were really upset. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I don't know. I mean, we know that Kirkman is not afraid to do anything in the comic. Nope. And it looks like they're not afraid to do anything in the TV show, too. That's true. Except have a child shoot a living human in the face. Right. So they just made him a zombie, and it was Yeah, was I, I was I was skeptical as to whether or not they would be able to get away with such a thing in the TV show to begin with. Yeah. All righty. Well, we'll have to find out next week when we watch the season finale of The Walking Dead. We, of course, are going to record our regular podcast on Monday, the Monday after, which is next Monday. Put that out. Then we've got uh, hopefully something special coming up after that and a couple of things planned for the first few weeks after the finale. So I'll get into that next week if I can get anything confirmed. Okay. (laughs) And uh, that'll be exciting, I hope, for everyone. So um, in the meantime, if you want to contact us, you should by all means do so. Give us a call on our toll-free voicemail line at 1-866-483-ZOMB. That is 483-9662. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. You can also send email, of course, to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com and uh, send your thoughts and comments and feedback that way. So, for The Talking Dead, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.